0: Please hold for the Seltzer Water ASMR, it is coming. I just wanted to intro this episode real quick. I don't know if I'm going to intro every episode in the future, but for this one, it just felt right. In this episode, we will be talking about red flags to look for when consuming content on the internet. Now, what are red flags? It's basically just any sign telling you to stop and or turn back. Exit out of the page, keep scrolling, close the app, anything like that. If an influencer or content creator has any of these red flags, you may just want to disengage altogether, you know, just to play it safe. This conversation is heavily within the topic of fitness, but really I think it can apply to most specialties, if not any given specialty. So if you're kind of out here, you're not super informed, you're not an expert in this topic, and you come across an account that falls under that community or they talk about the topic you're interested in, these are some good red flags to look for. That is a bulk of this episode. We do spend about a third of it talking about yellow flags, just little considerations to take into account. Yellow flag, same thing as the yellow light on the stoplight, just telling you, hey, proceed with caution, but it's not a deal breaker whether or not I think that this is a person worth following or worth learning from. Now, this is a small spoiler, but I think it's worth putting in. In this episode, I put heavily editing photos or Photoshop as the number one yellow flag. I knew that this choice was kind of questionable during the episode. And I just wanted to tell y'all right now, I think if I had to re-record this episode, I would just put it at the bottom of red. The reason why I listed it as a yellow flag initially is because I do really believe that there are some good or well-meaning people that they just get swept up or they get insecure and they try out Photoshop and they like how it looks. They post it no one clocks them for it and they're like "Oh, okay this is something i can do and i can get away with it and i can cover up my own insecurities this way or i can get more engagement you know they might look at posts where they use photoshop and they see that they get more engagement and you know they're positively incentivized to use it i think that these are the kind of people that if called out they will either silently you know either take the post down or just stop using it or they might even come out and apologize and acknowledge it However, looking back, I don't know that this group of people represents the majority of people who heavily touch up their photos or use Photoshop. And that is another reason why I listed it as a yellow flag is because there is such a wide range between just heavily edited versus straight up manipulated. But basically, I figure if someone's willing to go out of their way to basically lie about the way they look, What else are they willing to lie to you about or at the very least misrepresent or what truths are they willing to leave out? Which is basically just lying by omission. So I just wanted to put that disclaimer in real quick but that does give you kind of an idea of some of the kind of things we are talking about in this episode. I did leave in the part where I really struggle with whether or not this should be a yellow flag and red flag. I also kind of laughed listening to it back just kind of like this is so objective and arbitrary yet i'm having such a hard time with it that honestly i just i just think the struggle is funny so i left it in uh but yeah i just wanted to let y'all know that that's kind of where i switched on that but outside of that i think this will be a very helpful episode i think it'll be very informative i think this will be really good for sharing with people who you know who are pursuing a new hobby or pursuing fitness or their own personal health I think this will also be a really good episode for specialists or coaches who they're looking for advice, just easy advice to give to their audience, or advice to give to their clients about who and what to follow. I know I get clients all the time who come to me with weird things that they've seen or heard from the internet, and I know that they probably would have found this episode very helpful before they went on to do their own research. So. With that said, sit back, relax. Um, Let me know which red flags you hate the most. Let me know if I missed any red flags or yellow flags as well. And that's it. Without further ado, this is episode two. Enjoy. All right, y'all know what time it is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I'm not going to do like a seltzer of the week or anything. But this time, this is a La Croix. It's Limoncello. Um, And I actually don't like Limoncello that much. TBH. But my boyfriend likes it even less than I do. And he is a seltzer fiend. So if I just want a little case all to myself, I get the Limoncello. And he knows this. He knows what kind of person he is so guys great news the last episode was usable how exciting and y'all might think i'm kidding because that's usually how my voice sounds if i'm joking but for it being my first episode the fear in my bones i had when i hit play on the episode that i would not be able to use it just because i don't know i didn't like how i sounded i didn't like how i came across So I am so pumped that it is a usable episode. Now, were there things I wish I had done differently? Definitely. Are there a few things I'm going to have to edit out? Yes. But I could tell just by listening back that all I would have to do is edit out a few things to make it sound more clean. And it's an episode I'm comfortable putting out to the masses or the small mass that is my Instagram followers. Because there have been a few times where I have recorded dozens to a couple hours of footage that I watched back and I was like, yeah, I'm not using this. But there's a lot more factors at play. You know, how do I look? How's the lighting? Um And then on top of it, you know, is the info current. Am I presenting this in a way that makes sense? And I feel like it can come across to a lot of different kinds of people with different backgrounds. Like my first video back from the break, which by the way, is not even listed on my channel. It's unlisted. You can still access it via um, the unlisted playlist on my channel. And I think I'm going to release the audio for it on here on Spotify. Is just kind of like a, I don't know, prelude, bonus content, whatever. I am going to add in a little bit more audio to that episode than what was in the video. So if you have watched the video, there is a little bit more info, some of my opinions in that video that did not make the cut. And that's another thing too. So I'm going to, I'm going to what did they say? I'm going to jam on this for a sec. That sounds so bad. That sounds so like camp counselor E. We're going to, fam, <laughs> kids, we're going to jam on this for a second. But um, I'm going to jam on this <laughs> for a second. Um, I want to talk real quick about the difference between recording a video versus recording a podcast like this. And this isn't like big brain stuff, but most people don't record videos of themselves and put them on YouTube. Most people don't record podcasts, especially solo podcasts. I'm doing this by myself. It's just me and the voices in my head. (laughs) But with recording a video, one, I have to beat my face down before I record. For those of y'all who are not sure what that means, I have to put makeup on, which hair makeup for me usually takes about an hour. So not too bad. But when you consider that before that point, I probably did some like light background research beforehand. And then I also had to completely set up everything, which involves uh, picking a spot that I want to record in, lining up the shot so that, you know, it gets me that it's a good angle of me and that I look presentable and there's nothing weird in the shot making sure my lighting's good. Do I want to use natural lighting? Do I want to use just the lighting in my house? Do I want to use a ring light? Do I want to use a mix? What settings do I want to set my ring light to? Do I want to use the warm setting? The soft setting? The, I don't know, the like bluish one? (laughs) And then I sit down. I know what I want to talk about. I have a rough idea of what I want to say. And that stupid piece of plastic with a with a glass lens on the front is in my face and all my personality just flies out the window. I don't know what it is because if y'all have seen like my Instagram stories, if I have a front-facing camera, I can just go off. I don't know if it's just like the instant feedback of knowing exactly what I look like and just knowing that the moment I click post, a bunch of people are going to see what I'm talking about and YouTube there isn't, you're just talking to yourself to a piece of plastic and just hoping. <laughs> you just press record and play and pray pretty much. This is still a little tough for me, just I think it's just something about the microphone and knowing that I'm recording makes it real, but literally it's just my laptop with my notes on it, my microphone, and it's just plugged into my phone. I'm not even using a mixer, which might make some people cringe, some people might not know what that means, some people might cringe. But honestly, I can be pretty picky when it comes to like production quality, especially when it comes to my stuff, because I'm a perfectionist and everything needs to at least sound decent and look good. But I played back that last episode and I was pretty happy with how everything sounded. Now, I did splurge on this microphone. This is like a $150 microphone it might have been like 200 marked down to 150 but yeah it's just plugged into my phone i'm not even wearing a headset right now i could just be talking to myself right now but the little uh the little sound bar in my recording app is moving around as i'm talking so i take that as a good sign but yeah i'm just glad that so far this has been as enjoyable as I was hoping, like in comparison to recording videos. Now, some episodes of the pod will be recorded. I'm thinking one in every like three to five videos are gonna be recorded if it's a more fun concept or one that benefits from, you know, visual aids or elements. I have one planned soon. It's where I rank every person you see at the gym and it's pretty much just going through all the stereotypes all the kind of people you see at the gym and ranking them by um instead of s tier it's swole mate and i'll just kind of give you that as a taste and then it goes all the way down to i think f and i think that'll be really fun i've been going to gyms or in a gym environment in several different kind of gym environments. I've worked at studios. I've done kickboxing instruction, general like boot camp group fitness instruction. I've worked front desk at like a box gym. I've worked front desk at a really bougie gym. And I was a personal trainer and nutrition coach at like kind of a local box gym type place. And I've seen it all. So if you've already made it this far into the EP, thank you so much. Today we are talking about what to look for when taking in information on social media from fitness, wellness, nutrition, influencers, and content creators. And we're going to be talking about my biggest red flags, as well as some smaller yellow flags to look out for when sifting through information and looking for people to follow on social media. The intended title or the planned title for this episode is currently the fitness industry is the wild west i came up with this because i hear a lot of people talk about how og youtube was kind of the wild wild west you know like um scooby omar Esaf was putting out a lot more content obviously at a lower quality i like paused i was like should i say it was lower quality it's like yeah duh it was lower quality like i don't know if he started posting on YouTube when it was, like, monetizable. I think, like, YouTube didn't start offering monetization till like, 2008. And that was to a very, like, select group of people. But, yeah. Um, the only, like, structured, somewhat science, I would say mostly science-backed powerlifting content you could get was, like, Johnny Candido. Mark Bell was posting more powerlifting-related content. Physiques of Greatness, rest in peace. Uh, Hodge Twins, rest in peace more or less. (laughs) Rich Piana, genuinely rest in peace. He's the only one of the ones I've mentioned that is deceased. (laughs) He gave us a lot of great content over the years and we are forever grateful. But I hear people talk about that time and how it was really the wild, wild west. And honestly, the fitness industry, at least as it exists on social media, is still really the Wild West. Maybe get rid of one of the wilds and it's just the Wild West, but it is still very much giving like little regulation, little accountability for taking advantage of your audience, and people just saying whatever they possibly can to feel like they have an edge or that secret and feel like there's a reason that people should follow them instead of, whoever else is on this platform thankfully these days we do have some people taking it upon themselves to call these people out just off the top of my head lane norton who he's been doing that for a while and then the notorious goob g-o-o-b what's his government name isn't it just like john yeah john john dorsey that sounds like like a lawyer type name john dorsey been in an accident. You or a loved one may be entitled to compensation. Call John Dorsey Law Firm. (laughs) And I know that's just two people, but together they do really cover a lot of ground. Lay Norton kind of covers like the misinformation, especially as it relates to nutrition. And then Goob kind of covers people just like lying or taking advantage of their audience. And namely by, you know, Photoshop or doctoring up their videos. And I am glad that they are getting positive recognition for their efforts. Today we're going to be talking about kind of a general litmus test that you can kind of take a creator through to determine if they're worth following and especially if they're worth taking advice from. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about my top three red flags and then a few yellow flags to also look out for. Yellow flags aren't quite as alarming as red flags, but they are still cause for concern and might mean that you might want to look at the content that this person is putting out a little bit more carefully and with more discernment. So without further ado, red flag number one, talking in extremes. This is when a person, influencer, creator is talking about a product, a program, a diet, a supplement, a food, and they are talking about it as if it is the end-all be-all. It's a one size fits most and it's the best thing that you can possibly do for your body. Or they can be completely demonizing one of those things and saying that it's the absolute worst thing that you can possibly do for your health and for your body. So when trying to push a product, the biggest Emotions that people without your best interests might try to take advantage of are fear and trust. So when you demonize something, especially if it's something really common, you are building fear in the person consuming that message. And if you're one of these creators and you find just one vague study, even if it was decades old... You find it and you find out that some ingredient or food or whatever has been linked to cancer or serious illness. Even the mere hint that it might be linked to cancer or a severe illness and you just start salivating because you are about to milk the hell out of that study and you are going to use it to push your product or services. Everyone knows the classic example of aspartame. Aspartame, of course, in a study, some scientists found a link between aspartame and cancer via rodent studies. And then we look deeper and find that one, this study is outdated. And two, they were giving these rats quantities of aspartame that no human could ingest in proportion to their body weight in one sitting, let alone several times a day. And just not to mention that although rodents do have, you know, similar enough DNA to us, that's why they are used so often in studies, they're still not the same. But if you're a scammer, If you are a shitfluencer, a term that some people like to lovingly use, you'll take this study, you won't even worry about the details, and you'll say, did you know that a study has found that (laughs) aspartame has been linked to brain cancer? And then you swoop in, but don't worry, buy my nutrition coaching services, and I'll never let anything bad happen to you. (laughs) So in this case, that person would be creating fear and then leveraging off that fear. Typically, these people will talk in absolutes. They'll use words like always and never. And another thing to look out for is whether or not they are speaking dogmatically, basically presenting their opinions as fact. And yeah, some facts are just facts and a lot of them are well-established facts. But, you know, concepts or just trying to give advice to dozens to hundreds to thousands of people and trying to be considerate of everyone's individual fitness journey, a little bit of nuance goes a long way. But when a person speaks, you know, in absolutes, like always or never, or they're very dogmatic, they are very assertive in whatever point they're trying to make, they come across to some people especially people that might not be as well-informed, they come off as very confident. And confident, whether subconscious or consciously establishes some kind of trust with the viewer. Like when I edit a video, I will take an hour of footage and whittle it down to maybe 30, 20 minutes of footage. And I'm taking out any superfluous footage. I almost said (laughs) superfluous. Superfluous correctly um all right one more time and part of that is from taking out any superfluous information i said it right but i overemphasized it because i was trying so hard to say it right you say it you at home right now say superfluous <laughs> but i'm gonna take out all the extra stuff and i'm going to try to take out any bits where i don't sound or appear as confident as possible because I want the viewer to trust me and also you know a part of it I want the content to be engaging you know you don't want to be rambling or tripping over your words or whatever and that's another thing I like about this format I can just kind of leave that stuff in I feel like it it shows a little character less robotic but also you know people expect to go into a podcast you know for 45 minutes 60 minutes some even 90 minutes So I don't feel quite as like intimidated to make everything as bite sized and perfect as possible. But for a lot of these creators, especially the ones that are trying to push a product or a service, they have, I mean, oftentimes less than five seconds to grab you, you know, but they have 15 seconds, 30 seconds, at most like three minutes to get your attention, either create fear or trust in you and then try to sell you their product. And real quick, before I move on to red flag number two, I do want to mention that I don't have, you know, the existence of a product or service as a red flag or even a yellow flag in a creator that you want to follow or take advice from on social media, especially the industry we're in, the fitness industry. Pretty much all of us are trying to sell our coaching services, some supplements maybe some active wear, some merchandise. And a lot of us create content to reach more people, to try to get them to vibe with us and want to purchase our products or services. It's not the other way around. People don't, well, it happens sometimes. I've seen it happen before where people make fitness content and then start selling programs and everything else like that. Most of the time, this kind of content, super informative kind of content, not just like, Lift Along With Me or like lifting vlogs. If it's informative content, someone probably started out as a coach and or maybe even a supplement manufacturer and now they're creating informative content to kind of create trust with you, get you to vibe with them and get you to want to buy their stuff. And to just want to make a living for yourself, like I don't think that's a red flag or even a yellow flag. And there's honest and transparent and just not shitty ways (laughs) to go about getting someone to like your content and want to engage with your services especially if your intentions are in the right place and like last thing I'll say too is like I see a lot of memes about how like Influencers will post unpopular opinion or hot take, and then it's the most lukewarm take you've ever seen in your life. I've made that statement before, I've joked about that, but it's just because people that are well-intentioned that have you know, a good service or product to offer, they don't want to make that scammy content. They don't want to fear monger you into purchasing their program or their supplement. They're just trying to ride the algorithm train like the rest of us. And on to red flag number two, if the product, service, program, whatever is too easy or too hard when compared to common practice. For example, say you're trying to lose weight via nutrition. You're not so much worried about the exercise portion yet. You just want to dial down your nutrition so that you can lose weight that way. Maybe you're busy. Maybe you already work out, but you don't want to add more exercise to your routine in order to lose weight. You just want to rely solely on nutrition. We know that typically the best way to do that is by creating a deficit within your daily caloric intake. This involves tracking nearly every meal and snack, if not every meal and snack, for four to seven days a week. Depending on how serious your goals are and how important it is for you to consistently be in a deficit throughout the week, you might track every day. My people, I typically have them track three solid meals and one snack, five or six days a week. As long as they're exercising enough, five to six is typically enough to create sustainable results. But still tracking nearly everything you eat for a majority of the week, That's work. And that gets really tedious and tiresome after a while. Versus if someone just comes to you and says, I changed my whole life by just changing my daily eating window to eight hours a day. It's called intermittent fasting. And guess what? The eight hours a night you sleep counts towards your 16 hour fast every day. This is the tactic most of my clients use and it's created great results. Learn more by clicking the link in my bio or something like that. What sounds easier? Tracking almost everything you put into your body for a majority of the week or just eating from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day and not changing your regular intake at all whatsoever. Now, for some people, especially people who their biggest obstacle is just snacking a lot throughout the day, especially late night snacking, this can do a lot on its own. For other people, this type of diet might create a scarcity mindset and they might still eat the same amount if not overeat during their eating window. And for other people, this might create a bad relationship with food especially people who kind of have more obsessive personalities or if they don't have the best mental health. um, It can cause a lot of people to become obsessive and a lot of people try to gamify how they eat and how they lose weight. Maybe not a lot of people, but a lot of these types of people have a tendency of doing this with their food, whether it's trying to shrink your eating window and see how teeny tiny you can get it to be. Next thing you know, you have like a two hour window every day. And it's just, it's just basically become a fancy word for anorexia. Basically, if it's too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. Same deal with fat burners. You know, would you rather add 90 minutes of cardio to your routine each week? Or would you rather just take a pill each day? One of them will probably get to your goals and it'll just take a little bit more work. One, probably won't do anything at all. I know some people who fat burners kind of work by making them feel like, well, I don't want to waste my money, so I'm gonna take this and then I'm gonna go do cardio. And they might be more likely to do their cardio. Some fat burners have caffeine, which might give you energy, but that's about it. And then the classic, all those crazy, like products you see on TV, like infomercials, like, would you rather do 45 extra minutes of abs each week Or would you rather just sit at your desk and have something jiggle or shock your body for most of the day just sitting there and then have the same result? You would probably rather just sit and get, you know, lightly shocked in the abs or vibrated or jiggled and then get to where you want to be. But in most cases, none of those easy routes work. And y'all might remember I mentioned if it's too hard compared to common practice, that also includes things like six-week challenges or 75-day challenges or whatever, situations that are typically so hard that, yeah, they might get you to your goal at the end. They'll probably work better than, you know, those easy routes we talked about, but they probably won't be sustainable. They probably won't lead to long-term results. Typically, if I do an eight-week challenge, it's usually not too much more than they would have to do already, but it's just kind of making sure that they do it and you have a little bit more of a reward at the end. Now, the goal is also very attainable for what I ask of them in those eight weeks. So it's an attainable goal. The process isn't much harder than what they would normally do. And you, know, you have a, just a little bit more work for the chance of more reward at the end. And sometimes with that, I'll do a prize pool, you know, whoever reaches their goal. Goal doesn't always have to be to lose weight. It could just be to be consistent or to lose a certain amount of body fat or whatever. Inches, inches is another really good one. But we might do a prize pool. I might just offer like a free month or a free couple weeks if they finish successfully. So you get to do something you would pretty much want to be doing anyway or close to it. And you get a little something at the end. That's like the most I will do for a challenge. But... Things like six-week challenges where you have to work out like twice a day every day and you can only eat like whatever meal plan you're given or even more so typically it's like shakes and you have to do like two shakes a day and one meal and that's the challenge. Like yeah, you know, yeah that is challenging but (laughs) it's not sustainable. I'm not going to keep buying the shakes after especially if they taste nasty. So again, red flag number two, if it's too easy or too hard when compared to common practice. Now, you know, if you're new, you might not know what common practice is. This is where you just kind of do a little bit of, I don't even want to say research, just like Googling, just Google, you know, are six-week weight loss challenges or do six-week weight loss challenges work or do fat burners work? And just make sure that whatever website you end up on. It's just a regular schmegular article. It's not like a blog by a fitness influencer who puts on six-week challenges. It's not an article written by a supplement company about the efficacy of fat burners. And that's a really good point too that I don't even have in my notes is if you're trying to fact check something, make sure that you mind the source. Red flag number three. It's not Number one, I don't want to say it's not the most important because these aren't particularly in order from most to least important, but it's my favorite is what I'm trying to say. Number three, they will not back up their claims or they rely too much on anecdotes, usually personal anecdotes. So typically one of these people will make a claim in a post or they try to sell you a product or a program. Oftentimes a particular... Like split or exercise within the program. And when you ask these people to show their work or show any kind of proof, it's crickets. Yet somehow, if it's a comment saying, wow, I never knew this, or wow, I'm definitely going to try this, or it's some bot account and they're like, yeah, I love doing this. And Those people have no problem responding to those comments. They're like, yeah, girl, get it, sis. That's what I'm talking about. I'm sorry that was so gendered, but they're like, yeah, you do it. Bicep flex emoji, fire emoji explosion emoji, bomb emoji. And it's just like, where's this energy when people are asking for proof? Now anecdotes can look anything like, I tried this and it works for me, or this is the secret that I give to all of my clients and they have had incredible results. Or my personal favorite, my grandmother taught this to me, and this is how my family has maintained their health and wellness for generations. And I'm not here to deny the bro science of our ancestors, okay? Your ancestors survived hundreds of years on this earth, and they did not do it without learning a thing or two. But you can't just hide your lack of proof or facts under the guise of monks in the himalayas do this every day and achieved inner peace (laughs) okay that's a bad example because monks have actually achieved inner peace and currently like modern psychology is actually like studying like people out east especially monks to just kind of see how they have their shit so on lock (laughs) do people still describe things as being on lock probably not that is probably i'm showing my millennial colors right now look i'm not saying on fleek and that's all that matters <laughs> the end of the day that's all i care i'm not out here still saying like yolo on fleek but yeah those monks in the himalayas got their shit together but what i'm trying to say is you can't just say that like oh people like eastern medicine this is a huge innovation or a very common practice out east it's like where 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 are they who? Whomst? Like, it's basically a smoke bomb. They'll be like, hey, eat 500 milligrams of ashwagandha every day and lose a pound a week. Boom. And then it's smoke bomb. And then they're like, and the smoke is just, this is a common practice in Eastern medicine. <laughs> Are y'all still with me? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Do you get the gist? <laughs> now, there is a flip side to this, too. Some people can rely too much on research. A lot of times something will be researched and it's shown to have consistently good results, but then you try to put it into practice and it just doesn't work the way you wanted it to, or it's not creating the results that you expected. Sometimes research for a given thing related to health, fitness, or overall wellness will look really promising in the research, and then you go and try and apply it to a regular person, and it just doesn't work the way that you expect it to. And you look at it, and you're like, what's going on? My person is broken. I need a new one. And then you go and try it on that client, and it's still not working. And it's like, hey, maybe when you take something out of a controlled environment, and then you introduce all the daily stressors and activities and obligations that a typical working person has, and suddenly they can't do the thing that you've been trying to get them to do that has been clinically proven to create results. Or they just can't do it on the same level as they could in the study. So that's why ideally a good coach or a good content creator will apply a little bit of both. They'll say what the research says, they'll say what they've seen in some of their clients. They'll say, yeah, a calorie balance is the best way for most people to lose weight, but I have seen it in some people where if they don't have the best mental health or if they have obsessive tendencies, they tend to not do very well with calories because it leads to bad relationship with food or disordered eating habits. How do you like that? Take notes. America. This tells me one of two things, or both. One, this person may never have actually worked with regular people ever before. Two, this person doesn't know how to read and dissect research. Which brings me to the final bullet of red flag number three. Are they staying in their lane? You can't come on here. I mean, you can, right? It's the internet. You can do almost whatever you want as long as you're adhering to the terms of services. Terms, terms and services? Terms of services. Terms of services, TOS. <laughs> but for the sake of this bullet point, you can't come on here on the internet, on Instagram, on YouTube, and try to dissect this complex meta-analysis while having like a bachelor's in pottery and basket weaving. And I know basket weaving gets a tough rap, but that's what I'm working with today. Now that's not to say that you can't be self-taught, but basically like if we're on the same level, like I'm a business major. If I'm gonna listen to someone else with a bachelor's in arts or business or just something not fitness, health or science related, like I technically have a bachelor of science. I don't know shit. (laughs) You know what I did for my science requirement for my degree? I did rocks and I did clouds rocks and clouds, geology and weather. That's all you need. Yeah, you see that up there? That's cumulonimbus, motherfucker. I sound educated. <laughs> I paid $25,000 to uh, miscategorize that cloud as a nimbo strividus. Thank you very much. And I couldn't even pronounce stratus within the joke without fucking it up. <laughs> Please support this podcast. Like I was saying, though, this is not to say that you can't be self-taught or anything, but there's a certain point in those kind of degree paths, you know, science, math, uh, more research-based degrees, where you are taught how to, maybe not even necessarily just how to break down research, but also conduct research to the point where it can actually be published somewhere, whether that's an article or a journal or something, because there's a point where you're formally taught how to do these things successfully, because you are going to be charging insurance companies hundreds of dollars for people to hear you regurgitate the knowledge that you retained from reading these studies. And that's not saying that degrees like that are the end-all be-all either. Some of the most underwhelming coaches I've ever heard advice from or worked with have had bachelors in kinesiology or biomechanics or sports science. It's because when it comes down to it, those classes don't necessarily teach you the things that you need to be a successful trainer. Not even a successful trainer, but a good trainer. Because you can throw shit at somebody for a certain amount of time and you might get a successful result, but are you going to retain clients? Are your clients going to like working out with you? Are you going to be able to keep them resilient enough from getting injured all the time while still pushing them to where they get the proper results? Are you going to be able to make sure that they can manage a work life and wellness balance without tipping the scale in any one direction? Maybe, maybe not. And again, this is just a general litmus test. Of course, there's going to be exceptions, but if you're just trying to play it safe, you're trying not to get scammed, you're trying to make sure that you're not taking in any misinformation or problematic information, then this might be something to look at. Are they staying in their lane? Now, one yellow flag that we're going to talk about a little bit later is do they even have their background or credentials posted anywhere? Because how are you going to know whether or not they're staying in their lane if you don't even know what that lane is supposed to be? But I do think that that is a good transition into our yellow flags. So that concludes our red flags. Y'all let me know if you feel like I missed any, like what your red flags are. If y'all want me to elaborate on anything, y'all drop a comment, y'all shoot me a DM. So yellow flag number one is a little controversial and you'll see why when I tell it to you. But currently I have yellow flag number one as doctoring slash manipulating photos or videos. Now, this very arguably could just be a red flag, maybe an orange flag. It's really up to you and your morals. For a lot of people, this is a very easy deal breaker. And I don't blame you. Again, it's best to err on the side of caution. For me, I've just seen some people who have generally good information and a generally good message, but... They just get lost in the sauce sometimes. Or what happens a lot is, you know, they'll do a photo shoot, whatever. Um, the editor might doctor the photo or a sponsor might doctor the photo, depending on the sponsor. That might just me giving people credit. I genuinely believe, I mean, nothing surprises me anymore, right? I genuinely believe that that does happen. I also believe that in this case, people are redeemable, like, they can be reformed into no longer manipulating their shit and then just going on and making the content that they were making. I don't know though, the more I look at it, the more I think that this should be a red flag. Y'all let me know, y'all drop in the comments, do you think that doctoring or manipulating photos and videos is a red flag or a yellow flag, or it depends. Now, John or Goob is going to be linked in the description below. His profile is a masterclass of how to kind of spot manipulation, so I won't talk about this very long. For me, and the difference between doctoring and manipulating, doctoring is like adding something that isn't there, and maybe that would be more cause for concern, more of a red-orange flag. And then for me, manipulating might just be like, I don't know, boosting the contrast on it, putting a filter on it, adjusting the brightness... We're doctoring, you might be pushing out your glutes, pushing pushing up your biceps, pushing out your shoulders, your delts, um, tightening your waist a little bit. I don't know. If I'm still a feminist, if I don't put this as a red flag, like, you know, like, oh, the conversation of creating, you know, unhealthy beauty standards for women. Um, uh, Again, y'all let me know. Y'all let me know what you think this should be. Again, I think people are redeemable. And I've seen some... People with decent information touch up photos. I do love that now, like TikTok and Instagram, it's required. If you have a filter on a photo, it lists, you know, in a little spot what the filter is. I love that. I think that's brilliant. Now, if it's a before and after all the way, that is a red flag because typically before and after you are trying to sell a product or service if the after is not even as good as what you're trying to convince everyone it is then that's a problem or you're trying to create hype around your product or service by making the after photo way better than it was before that's a problem so that's why i have this as a yellow flag it's a little vague and if you don't want to follow that link you don't want to check out john's page I would just say just zoom in and just look around. Typically, the waist, you'll see a little bit of warping inwards from things in the background or from like lines in the background, like from a brick wall or from dumbbells or just the siding of a building. Rails, that's a big one. If someone's like standing outside like a balcony or if they're walking outside and there's railing outside, you can look at that really easily. And you'll usually see a warp in, like a bend inwards when looking at the waist, and then you'll typically see a warp outwards when looking at things like maybe the legs, namely the glutes, hamstrings, quads, or if you look at the shoulders or biceps if they're flexed. Sometimes people might use one or the other. They might not use both. Typically, wider shoulders will make your waist look smaller, and so maybe you don't have to touch up your waist. A lot of the time, a smaller waist will make your other proportions look larger, so you don't have to blow those up as much. But yeah, just start with zooming in on the photo. If it doesn't look right, it's probably not. At the end of the day, just look at tagged photos. Depending on their following, you might have to dig more to find more actual pictures of them. I also just think, too, like doctoring your photos, it just really comes from a place of insecurity. And it's not to make not all the time. It's not to make other people feel insecure. It's usually because they just feel insecure about the way they look in photos. And that's a bigger conversation, body dysmorphia, societal standards, whatever, whatever. I genuinely just feel like I never look as big in photos as I do in real life, like in the mirror. Now, do I doctor my photos? No. But I get it, man. When you've got a pump and you're trying to get that juicy pic, in the in the right lighting too and it's just not popping and you're just like who am i i get it so yellow flag number two no credentials listed or insufficient credentials slash background so i get it the bio on instagram is precious precious real estate you've already got links you've got your personal mantra you've got your name but ideally, they will have like a link to like a blog or a landing page or a pinned post somewhere on the profile, just explaining a little bit about who they are and what they do. I don't have the pinned post about me, but I do believe I still have on my Instagram. I have I as talk much. I have an ISSA, a certified personal trainer, a nutrition coach, I believe. Yeah, I used to say nutrition plus PT emojis. Look at me. Look at me. No yellow flags here. Now, again, this is a yellow flag because I'm not necessarily going to turn away. But if you are posting informative content, especially complex informative content on your page, you have nothing about a background or credentials. That's a problem. Especially if you are coaching people and you don't even just have like what certification you have. That's a problem. Last episodes or last episode I recorded, the buzzwords were um positive, negative. This one is just that's a problem. I want that on a shirt. Just just like my stupid face, that's a problem. <laughs> It'll be me drinking like like a cup of tea, that's a problem. Me pointing up at you. Hey, the person wearing this, that's a problem. And again, some people just aren't thinking about the way that they are presented on social media. Some people are using up their bio on Instagram for other things. Some people not, may not have a website or a landing page. I get it. So I don't necessarily think that this is a red flag, but it's definitely a yellow flag to look out for, especially if you're erring on the side of caution. Yellow flag number three. They're talking about something you've never heard of before. Now, this might not be great for new people. But for people who have been in it for a little bit and they're just looking for a little bit more information, they're looking for informative content from other creators outside of who they're currently following. Or honestly, if you're scrolling and a video pops up that made it onto your algorithm or you're seeing an ad, um, th- this is still a really big one to pay attention to. And like I said, it's, they're talking about something you've never heard of before. This, for me, a couple years ago, was leaky gut. I was like, what the fuck is leaky gut? Why are you calling it a gut and why is it leaking? And it's usually something dumb like that. It kind of sounds like a really bad band name, like toxic liver or exploding foot. Honestly, any serious medical concern that there's worth knowing about, we already know about it. Anything else is probably not that much of a concern. Anything that sounds weird or that you've never heard of before, probably not a concern at all. This again, it just drives fear of the unknown and it tries to create credibility. Like you are like the first reporter on the scene of this issue and you have the secret, you hold the key to ridding yourself of this problem that you never knew you had. And all you have to do is buy their course and pay them $200. And you too can unlock the truth of exploding foot syndrome. (laughs) Yellow flag number four. Now, this one is hard, and I'm going to try not to go too much into detail about it. But yellow flag number four is do they have a scammy looking profile? And what I mean by this is, is the engagement on their profile matching the amount of followers they have? Now, there's other factors, of course, like. How many followers do they have compared to the amount of posts they have? You know, like we've all gotten a follow by someone with like 4,000 followers and like two pictures and they're two girls that kind of, I'm sorry, it's usually women, but (laughs) uh, typically stolen pictures of women and it's probably actually a dude or a bot, but it's like two women that vaguely look the same and yeah, 4,000 followers, two posts. And either a suspiciously low amount of following or an equally a high amount, like 3,000, 4,000. Those are not necessarily the things I'm talking about. Uh, accounts like that typically won't be sharing informative content, they just want to steal your information. I'm talking about the kind of scammy profile where some person is trying to peddle their bullshit product and services or they're trying to scam you and they're making content and it's not catching the algorithm because it's misinformation or people are seeing through their bullshit so they are having to buy followers to make themselves look more legit or they are having to pay for likes to make their posts seem like they have more hype or more legitimacy now there's no exact science to this and it doesn't account for viral posts but typically you're going to see an average engagement of three to six percent in comparison to your follower count. So say you have 100 followers, you should be getting about six likes per post. Now, that's not a great example because typically smaller accounts will have a little bit higher engagement. I usually see as much as maybe 10 percent, you know, closer to 10 for smaller accounts. And that's because the people following you, you know, typically it's a it's a newer page. So those people have just followed you. Um, you are going to be appearing more in their feed or those people are friends and family and they are invested in your account. They're going to engage more with your content. But for a larger page, kind of getting over maybe a thousand followers, they're typically going to see about three to six percent. So And we typically see that go the other way. Like we will see a page with like 100,000 followers and we'll see that they only get like 300 likes on a post. For my people who are not great at math, that is 0.3%. Ideally, on the low end of someone with 100,000 followers, we would see closer to 3,000 likes on a post. Now you will want to keep in mind that Instagram really pushes reels, so reels might do better, but also it's not really one to one. Typically, people will view a reel without liking it, so that's a little bit funky, but just a regular picture, especially if it's a good quality photo on a page with a hundred thousand followers you'll typically see about three thousand to six thousand likes now, comments are a little bit tricky they'll really depend on. How the algorithm grabs it, if at all, and what kind of post it is. Is it one that's provocative? Is it one that has a call to action? Are you just asking a question and people are answering? So, comments are funny, but also do still look at the comments because are they only bots? Now, again, small accounts. If it's a small account that uses a lot of hashtags, you'll see a lot of promote it on blank. But typically, if it's a bigger account, that has caught the algorithm and but it's not getting a lot of traction comment wise a lot of the comments are going to be in russian or they're going to be english and I don't want to say it's going to be broken english but it's going to they're not going to make sense like it'll be a picture of a girl showing ass and taint on a photo and the comment will be like wow so insightful you know stuff like that if it doesn't make sense, or if it's something like, come follow me on my page, I have a surprise for you. You know, that's just bot activity. And they're just commenting on this account because they see that it's gaining traction on the algorithm. They see that they have a big following. So I think I wrote scammy profile. I think I more meant spammy profile. Like, you know, when you look at an email in your spam folder and you're like, yeah, there's a reason you are where you are. Kind of like that. Taylor, some of these are ambiguous and really weird and I'm still very new to all this and I'm scared. What do I do if I'm just not sure following along on these tips? One, kind of what I mentioned before, err on the side of caution, but the biggest tests I have if you roll through all these and you're still not sure, one, go with your gut. Your gut is rarely wrong. There's a lot of conversation these days around kind of the internal monologue there is a part of you or a side of you, I know I'm getting really insightful right now. uh this is what y'all are tuning into here, but there's a part of you that is pretty much always right or it's always kind of in the right on the right path. That is your like deepest intuition that is the part of you that you know remembers every experience that you've been through through your life and the experience of that is in your DNA from. Those ancestors that we've mentioned before. And we call that your gut, you know? So just trust that little voice in your head that's just like, hmm, I don't know, this is weird. And then, second here, I have if you try something and it's too uncomfortable, stop. This goes with working with a coach. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people tell me that their coach had them doing some really unhealthy things all for the sake of one goal. But I've also seen just dumb videos that influencers post like slap, your sto- like slap your stomach as hard as you can and that'll help build abs or do this exercise and you'll lose your love handles. And it's some just weird exercise that I've never seen or done before or if it's a diet or anything else or a challenge like a six week challenge, a 75 day challenge. And you're like, you know, this is just really uncomfortable. Or you start taking a supplement and now you're backed up or the opposite. Now you have like explosive diarrhea. You're too uncomfortable. Just stop. Don't worry. And get with a professional who you talk with and you're like, hey, this made me uncomfortable. And if they're a good coach, they will be affirming and, you know, they'll lead you down the right direction. I do have here on my list of future episodes. One is good coach, great coach, the right coach. Uh, That'll kind of be, you know, a good piggyback off of this conversation. At the end of the day, just hire a professional. If you have the means, they will sift through all the BS for you. And one thing that I think makes a great coach is if you have a question, they have an answer. But not only an answer, but an answer that fits your specific situation, your context, your personal context, and your personal goals. And they will be able to kind of break down the answer in a way where it's only giving you the information you need, none of the information that you don't need. So that is it, pals, friends. I'm trying to not use too much like gendered language. So that's it, you rascals, you you shitheads. (laughs) You go. So, red flag number one look at their speech. Are they talking in extremes, absolutes? Are they being very dogmatic? Red flag number two, what they are talking about is too easy or too hard to do when compared to common practice. Number three, they won't back up their claims or they rely too much on anecdotes. They can also rely too much on research. Uh, The right person will have a combination of both and try to figure out are they staying in their appropriate lane arguably red flag number 4 yellow flag number 1 are they doctoring or manipulating photos two do they not have any credentials or any kind of background anywhere on any of their profiles if they don't have their credentials or the background on their social media they should have a website or a link to get to those things and vice versa Three, are they talking about something you've just never heard of before? And number four, do they have a spammy looking profile? Do you scroll through their profile and just something doesn't seem right? It's kind of like when you're watching Catfish and, you know, it's, you know, they look at a profile and it's not a lot of pictures or it's a bunch of random pictures and the face is obstructed in most of them. And, you know, they have a lot of, friends but like no mutual friends or do they have no friends it's kind of like that honestly you're kind of just playing catfish with a lot of these profiles on here so if i missed anything please let me know if there's anything that you think i should have went over i am i would be more than happy to hear it either in the comments or you know if you want me to elaborate on anything you have any questions comments concerns please feel free to shoot me a DM. If we are not mutuals, it might go to my requested. Although I do try to check my requests, even though they can tend to be a lawless wasteland of, hey, we have an awesome opportunity for you. Or hey, sexy, want to make a thousand dollars a week uh over Snapchat. <laughs> I do still try to look at them because, you know, people do come in there with, you know, questions and whatever else and just looking to connect. So That all said, guys, I hope you enjoyed and I'll catch y'all in the next one. Bye.